What do you think about God? What, what is your mental picture of God? Uh, some people have a very negative view about God. Some people view God almost like a, uh, a cosmic policeman with a speed gun on the highway of life, just waiting for you to have too much fun speeding along the road, and he wants to slap you down with a penalty and make you suffer. That's how some people view God. And if you've ever been tempted to view God in that way, I want to show you another great verse from the Bible, from the same letter that Andy spoke of a moment ago. And it's a, it's a verse that if we get it clear in our heads, it'll help us think straight about God. It's in 1 Timothy uh, chapter 6, and it's going to go up on the screen so you can see it. And this is what it says. Command those who are rich in this present world... Not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. And really what I want to do this morning is I want to urge each one of us today to put our hope in God, who richly provides us with Everything, if I was doing Andy, I'd go everything for our enjoyment. Now, is that how we think about God? We should, because it's in the good book, right? It's out of the good book. This is, this is God's word. This is what we're taught about God, that um, he's the one who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. He made this beautiful world with a good purpose that we should enjoy everything that he provided for us. Isn't that an amazing thing? Just think about all the amazing blessings that we enjoy in this life. The blessings of food and drink. It's getting towards the end of harvest time. Uh, once again, farmers in Scotland and around Great Britain and Europe are bringing in the harvest with those magnificent combine harvesters. I don't know about you, but I think that is one of the most exciting machines out there, a combine harvester. I've got a picture in my office of a combine harvester. I do. I do, because it's a great picture as a Christian about bringing in the harvest. And just see this combine harvester coming through, bringing in the grain harvest is just an incredible thing. And do you know what? It was a very wet week last week, so the guys in the north of Scotland had a bad week bringing in the harvest. So they're hoping for a, a drier week this week to get the job finished. I was reading in a, in a farmer's tweeting blog that uh, they've got about 10% to, of the harvest to bring in in Aberdeen. So let's hope for a dry week so they can get it all in. And when they bring it in, uh, you know, the, the wonderful thing is, is that, I don't know whether you've done this in your, in your own garden, but you get a seed and it looks so dry, it looks so lifeless, and yet you stick that in, a, in the soil and you get the right amount of water and the right amount of sunshine and give it a bit of time and amazingly, a harvest grows up. A harvest, when it's brought in, will feed man and beast. And that's evident as we go into Tesco's, Mr. Tesco's and Mr. Asdo's, we shall now call it, and, and, and to see the amazing display of food that is there for our enjoyment. Delicious food that God has given for our enjoyment. The different colors, the different textures, the different tastes. God, in his kindness and goodness, has given it all for our enjoyment. Even broccoli. 
even Brussels sprouts for our enjoyment. Now, last weekend, Shiona and I, we went to Ireland and we visited Galway. And Galway uh, was preparing last weekend for this very weekend where they have the International Oyster Festival. Of course, you've heard of it, haven't you? It is an international oyster festival. And uh, really, it's a celebration of the fruit of the sea. No doubt, uh, you know, finished off with a little drink of Guinness as well. And on the uh, sponsored website from Guinness, um, uh, there is this quote from Alatoni, France. And this is what he says. And you can tell how much he loves oysters. Listen to this. This man was a, uh, a French writer. He was a member of the French Academy. He was a Nobel Prize winner for literature. And he wrote this. What can be more foolish than to think that all this rare fabric of heaven and earth could come by chance? When all the skill of art is not able to make an oyster. That did it for him. It was the oyster that convinced Anatoly France. Now, I don't know whether you like salty bags of phlegm wrapped in a hard shell. But we can praise God for that too, you know. Harvest is a time of celebration. It's a time of joy. It is a time of thanksgiving to God who has given us uh, the sun and and, and water, and soil, and seed, and fish, and oysters, all for our enjoyment. God created this wonderful world for our enjoyment. Isn't that amazing? What a good and kind God. Isn't, haven't we got a good God? How kind he is. And he's made a world of stunning beauty, hasn't he? Everything from the Great Barrier Reef. I had the privilege of swimming on the Great Barrier Reef a long time ago. And it's amazing to see the coral and the fish. It's, a, it's stunning. Everything from the Great Barrier Reef to the Cliffs of Moha that I got to see last weekend. The stunning Cliffs of Moha on the west coast of Ireland. He made it all. And he's filled this world with amazing materials. He's filled it with coal and woods and gold and enabled us to build nice, dry, warm houses and to make dishwashers so we can wash up after we've had all that delicious food. Praise God for dishwashers. And, and, and as, we, as we are image bearers of God, also because he's a creative God, he's helped make us as creative people. And so we have all the wonderful creative arts of, of jewelry and dance and music and clothes, all of these wonderful things. And we have a God who exists in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And so we have a God who delights in relationships. And so he has made one humanity of two sexes, men and women. And let's be really honest about this. This is what makes life really exciting, isn't it? This is what puts a little bit of zing into life, I think. The joy of, of falling in love. Uh, the wonder of, of, of sexual attraction. Uh, the joy of marriage. The mystery of, of life. Uh, and, and the joy of families. Uh, the joy of being grandparents. The joy of love and relationships. Do you know what? All of this is God's rich provision for our enjoyment. What a good God we have. What a kind God. What a gracious God that he would give us all these good gifts. Now here is uh, Paul and he's writing to this young pastor Timothy and he's urging Timothy 
to teach the Christians to put their hope in this good and gracious God. Now, why on earth would he have to encourage them to do that? Why would you have to tell people to put their hope in such a wonderful God? Surely, it would be an obvious thing to do. Why would he have to do that? Well, because we know that this wonderful world is not all wonderful. That there is something wrong in this world. That there is sort of an ugliness and a pain in this world. And the Bible says that's because there's something wrong with us. There's something wrong with our human hearts. There's something perverse about human beings that we can uh, see all of God's good gifts and instead of thanking God, instead of living for God and worshipping God, we take all these good gifts and we don't thank God. And in fact, we turn to love and worship the created world rather than the God who created it all. And the Bible says there's something very perverse in us that is like that. We turn the good things that God has made and we make them to be like idols. We make them ultimate things. We make them the most important thing when God should be the only important thing. And instead of loving and trusting and obeying God, we kind of take these little idols and uh, we trust them. We live for them. We serve them. And one of those idols could well be our money, our wealth. And that's what this verse is about. There are great dangers in being rich. Great dangers in wealth. It can damage our relationships with other people. And it damages our relationship. It can damage our relationship with God. And that's what this verse is all about. Have a look at it again. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. One of the great dangers of being rich is that we can become arrogant and proud. One of the big problems of a big salary and a healthy bank account is that we can start thinking highly exalted thoughts about ourselves. You know, we can uh, be deluded with our wealth to think that that makes us superior to people who don't have what we have. Uh, the danger is that we can think, well, you know, if I have a Rolex and uh, that person just has a Timex, then I am therefore more valuable and I am more important. And if money is my God, if, if wealth is what I live for, if, if wealth is what I believe will give me significance and approval and fulfillment, then I will be prepared to sacrifice everything else for it. I will sacrifice my family for it. I will sacrifice my friendships for it in order to pursue that wealth. If that's what I think it's all about. And we can pursue the God of money because we, can, we think it's going to give us security and because we think it's going to give us satisfaction. But of course it can deliver neither. It can't deliver satisfaction. Christina Onassis uh, was the heiress of the Greek shipping tycoon and the daughter of Jacqueline Kennedy. Uh, and uh, she received, she inherited an annual income of $1 million a week. 
That's what she inherited, an annual salary of $1 million a week. Do you think that would be enough to really sort things out for you? A million dollars a week. Uh, she, uh, she loved Diet Coke, and on one occasion, she sent off her private jet on a $30,000 round trip to America to get a couple of cases of Diet Coke, because she fancied Diet Coke. She found that some of her friends were a bit busy to spend time with her, so instead she paid them twenty to 30000 a month to be her friends and to be around with her. But you know, all that she had did not satisfy her short 37 years of life. In fact, she died of heart failure brought on by dieting and barbiturates. You know, money will not satisfy us. And money will not give us security. Uh, do I need to press this home in the current economic climate? Uh, a popular myth that has taken a blow in recent years, we've been told, well, our money will take care of us. Our houses will keep rising in value. Our pensions and our insurance policies are the things that will give us peace and confidence for the future. But the economic boom has been followed by a, a painful bust. And when we stop injecting money into the economy, we're going to feel it all the more in the United Kingdom. I was in Ireland. House prices on average in Ireland have dropped by 40% since the economic collapse. It is foolish to put our hope in wealth. When I lived in America... I met a number of men who at one point were millionaires and yet within a month they lost all their money. And, and Paul says, remind the church, do not put your, health, uh, your hope in wealth which is so uncertain. And even if you manage to hang on to your money all through your life, it is not going to keep you from death. And all the money you have, even if you have a million dollars a week income will avail you nothing when you stand before God after you die. And how tragic to stand before the God who so richly provided everything in your life and yet you went through life never thanking him, never worshipping him, never living for him. What a tragic thing to stand before God on that day because you didn't trust him. Instead, you trusted your, your own idols. You worshipped yourself. You worshipped the created world instead of him. And so please listen to this verse. It's a very important verse. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth which is so uncertain but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. And so on this harvest, uh, Thanksgiving Sunday, I want to urge each person to put their hope in this God. But maybe you're thinking, you're thinking, Paul, actually, I've not lived my life with thankfulness to God. The truth is that I know that I've, I, I, I haven't been living my life to worship God. In fact, I, I have lived for other idols. I have been absorbed in myself. And I know that I have hurt other people. And I'm sure that I must have offended God from what you've said. Is there any hope for me? 
And here's the wonderful answer. Yes, there is hope for thankless people. The Bible describes not only God as the um, generous creator, but as the gracious savior. And in the same letter, there is these wonderful words. Uh, the, the, this letter to Christians, they are urged to pray for their leaders. Uh, next screen. Uh, and to pray for a peaceful nation, because it says this, and I quote, This is good, and it pleases God our Savior, who wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. And further in that letter, in the chapter before, it says this. Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. God, our creator, our generous creator, has been the gracious savior who sent his son to make a way possible in his death on the cross so that we can be forgiven and accepted by God. And so, yes, whatever you've done in the past... Today, we can put our hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. And when you have God, you always have hope in uncertain times. If your hope is in money or wealth, this is a terrible time. But if you have hope in this God, you will always have reasons for hope, even in uncertain days. And I'd encourage you, as you head off today, and as you have um, lunch with people today, to think about these two questions. Would you describe your relationship with God as an enjoyable one? Would you describe your relationship with God as an enjoyable one? And then here's a very important question. Do you think God is enjoying it? Do you think God is enjoying it? And you know what? It might be worth changing today if you haven't been thanking God and living for God. This might be a great day to make that change. So come and speak to me or Andy or a Christian friend about that. Thank you, children, for listening so well. I think we've got the best children in Edinburgh. But don't tell anybody else that we said that. Let's pray, shall we? Heavenly Father, we want to thank you that you are such a good and gracious God. That you've given us everything to enjoy. Father, we pray that you'd help each one of us to live our lives enjoying your creation, but to worship and acknowledge you as the good giver of it all. And help us, Lord, to grab hold of the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. That you would forgive us for our thanklessness and our sin. We want to thank you that there is always hope in the Lord Jesus, hope for every person here. Lord, give us faith to trust him and to live for him, we ask in Christ's precious name. Amen.